Epitaph on Holy Wooly. Here Holy Wooly's sair-worn clay tacks up its last abode. His soul has ta'en some other way. I fear the left-hand road. Stop! There he is, as sure's a gun, poor silly buddy see him. Nay wonder he's as black's the grun, observe was standing wi' him. Your brunstain devil ship, I see, has got him there afore ye, but hod your nine-tailed cat away, till ance you've heard my story. Your pity I will not implore, for pity ye have nane. Justice, alas, has gain him o'er, and mercy's day is gain. But hear me, sir, deal as ye are, look something to your credit. A coof like him would stain your name if it were Kent he did it. It is 1785. By this point in the 18th century, the Protestant church in Scotland has fractured and fractured again, like a tired life of Brian joke. People who hated each other with the burning passion of a thousand sons sat side by side in church, listening to the same sermons, singing the same hymns, and secretly despising their neighbour for their opinions on how the church should be run. One of the many schisms was between two diametrically opposed foes. In the whitewashed corner, the Old Licht, a group of traditionalists who believed wholeheartedly in Jean Calvin's teaching on original sin and predestination. You were conceived with the stain of Adam's sin upon you, and that your time on earth, an ultimate fate, was already decided by God. The only way into heaven for them was to seek redemption in Jesus Christ. In the slightly jazzier church corner, the new Licht, who thought that what the Calvinists believed was daft and that your time on earth was based on your own free will and whether you went to heaven or went to hell was all to do with your own morality and how you spent your time on this mortal coil. To say that's an oversimplification of the state of Scottish Protestantism would be in itself an oversimplification. But let's put it this way, a lot of people who fundamentally believed in the same thing were getting bent out of shape over the way to worship and looking for ways to hate one another. Same as it ever was. And so, it is 1785. In a candlelit room in Mochlin Ayrshire, a buckled man is poring over a ledger. He checks line after line for the fourth and fifth time. He knows that getting this wrong isn't an option. William Fisher, Willie to his friends, and he has a few that he could name, has been looking for an excuse to nail the local lawyer to the wall for a decade, ever since he swanned in and started charming the rest of the church elders with his smart tongue. Mr Fisher, because we're not his friends, saw through Gavin Hamilton. Ten years of that new left blasphemer, stealing money and mocking God's own holy scriptures. Enough is enough. This is Scotland, a podcast about history and where we made it. I'm Michael Park. Epitaph for Gavin Hamilton, Esquire. The poor man weeps, here Gavin sleeps, whom canting wretches blamed. But with sick is he, where'er he be, may I be saved or damned. It is 1775. Gavin Hamilton is a wheel Kent name in the town of Mochlin. In fact, his father was pretty much everyone in town's lawyer. And now, at age 24, Gavin is pretty much everyone in town's lawyer. He's chatty, outgoing, 
generous, and most people describe him as being high-spirited. He's the kind of guy you'd want to have a pint with. And since he's just got married and had his first child, things are on the up for Gavin. A few years previously in Mauchlin, there had been uproar about people giving support to professional travelling beggars. They'd roll into town, request alms from the good Christian townspeople, and roll out to receive alms from the good Christian townspeople of the next town over. Exactly how much of a problem this actually was is debatable, but the church elders decided that enough was enough, and the giving of alms to the poor would stop. In its place, they introduced a stent, essentially a tax on people's rent, of a penny in the pound to be given to the genuine poor of the borough. It's been going for four years now, and Gavin is about to be appointed as the official in charge of collecting it by the local minister, the Reverend William Daddy Auld. A good job, a wife, a wane, and now the good graces of someone who refers to themselves as Daddy. Things really are on the up for young Gavin. But there is one small problem. A lot of the so-called deserving poor are also renting property in Mauchlin, and Gavin, being the gregarious sort, would turn to those deserving poor being charged a penny in the pound for their own support and say, you know what, I'll let you off. Gavin was the kind of person that a new licht enlightened thinker from Ayrshire might look upon and find a friend for life. So when a farmer and poet by the name of Robert Burns was introduced to him by a fellow lawyer in 1783, that's what happened. They became best pals and Robert even sublet the farm at Moss Giel from him. He was so taken with Burns, who was more farmer than poet at this point in his life, that he showed his poems to any influential person that he met in the hope of finding Burns some kind of patronage to publish his poems. Eventually, they decided to publish it on a subscription, of which Gavin bought 40 himself. It's in no small part thanks to Gavin's tireless support of his pal that we have the poems chiefly in the Scottish dialect, or the Comarnock edition, one of the most important works of Scots poetry. Gavin was also complicit in covering for quite a few of Robert's affairs. You know, all very cosy. But outside of his friendship with Burns, things weren't going our Gavin's way. Not that he knew it. He was being watched. His sensibilities and his new licht way of doing things were ruffling feathers with the church elders, including Daddy Old and the buckled bachelor William Fisher. Fisher especially had taken a real dislike to Gavin and was watching him like a hawk, to the level that it was getting a bit creepy, to be honest with you. Everything that Gavin did was reproached in parish meetings, he was censured for asking a servant to dig two and a half rows of new potatoes on the holy hour of the church service on a Sunday. Gavin caught flack, but Mr Brian, his servant, was rebuked in public and forced to show contrition for participating in such a blasphemy. But Mr Brian's wife was pregnant, and he had a nice way to show his loyalty to his employer. A couple of weeks later... Daddy Old baptised Gavin Hamilton Bryan at Mauchlin Kirk. For a servant to have a child and give it two first names wasn't the done thing at all, especially not a name like Gavin Hamilton, and the old minister was apoplectic and took aim at Gavin. 
he released his attack dog, the bachelor elder William Fisher, to take the cheery lawyer down. It is 1785. In a candlelit room in Mochlin, Ayrshire, a buckled man pours over a ledger, checking line after line for the sixth and seventh time. He knows that he isn't wrong. He knows that he's got him. Ten years of that new-licked blasphemer. Enough is enough. Gavin Hamilton has been stealing money from the church. Scotland needs your help, not the country, you understand, this podcast. If you enjoy it and you want more people to listen to it, then please help us out and recommend us, either via a five-star review on your podcast app or by giving us a shout-out on social media. It all helps people find the show, and with episodes stretching back to 2018, there's plenty for your pals to catch up on. Not only that, we've recently started a wee group over on Facebook. If you want to join it, you can go onto our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Scotland podcast, and you'll find the link to the group there. And you can join, have a chat about history, have a chat about places you've been, places you'd like to go, anything you fancy, really. Join us! Back to the show. Gavin is dragged in front of the Kirk session and accused of embezzling the grand sum of six pounds, two shillings and tuppence halfpenny, about £710 in today's money, from the poor fund of the town. Gavin's defence was, essentially, that he wasn't heartless and would give relief at source to those who could not afford to contribute. The legal proceedings found that, indeed, Gavin Hamilton was just a stand-up guy and that he had not fraudulently retained any money. Daddy Old was raging. The vein in William Fisher's temple was fit to burst out from the skin and throttle Gavin right in the room. How dare this Hamilton affront the good name of the Kirk? Him and Daddy Old convened the Kirk session of Mochlin early, with a view to admonishing Hamilton in his absence. But unfortunately, Gavin got to see the minutes of the session and saw the charges levelled against him. One. Unnecessary absences from church two Sabbaths in December and three Sabbaths in January together. 2. Setting out on a journey to Carrick on the third Sabbath in January. 3. Habitual, if not total, neglect of family worship. 4. Abusive letter to session, dated 13th of November, 1784. The abusive letter he was charged with writing, in simple terms, accused the session of being hypocritical and casting themselves in a positive light in order to cover their own misdeeds and misbehaviours. Gavin took his appeal to the Presbytery of Ayr, another council of elders which sat above the one at Mauchlin. Since he didn't believe that he was going to get a fair hearing from the one in his hometown, he took his lawyer, the same one that introduced him to his pal Robert, with him. And he won. The next time the Mochlin Kirk met, they put their rage on the page. I've read the session minutes myself and the tone is decidedly butthurt. The session think themselves grossly injured by the complainer and are sorry to add aggrieved also by the procedure of the Reverend Presbytery at the last meeting on allowing the aforesaid complainant to be read and played against them wherein not only the session in general is abused but the names of the many respectable characters in a clandestine way are slandered behind their backs. They took their whining appeals to the synods in Glasgow and Ayr and promptly lost again. 
This argument wasn't carried out in the pages of a minute book and court records though. This was the kind of blazing row that led people sitting side by side in church to sneer at one another and sneak snide comments into Sunday sermons. This was played out in public, the old licht punishing the new licht in an attempt to cling on to the waning power of the church. And it was meat and drink for the farmer poet who wrote the epitaphs for both Gavin and Holy Willie Fisher, despite them both still being alive. And you can hear the difference in the poet's regard for the two. But it's laid bare in, in my ill-informed opinion, one of the finest Scottish satirical works of all time, Holy Willie's Prayer. Fisher was so affronted by the Kirk's defeat and his own belief that he had never transgressed that he fell into the bottle. Legend has it that he was found dead in a ditch, clutching a bottle of whiskey. But since this is a Burns episode, it seems rude not to leave you with his words. So here is Holy Willie's prayer, with the original notes from Burns at the beginning. But you already know the story. Holy Willie was a rather oldish bachelor elder in the parish of Mauchlin, and much and justly famed for that polemical chattering which ends in tippling orthodoxy, and for that spiritualised bawdry which refines to licorice devotion. In a sessional process with a gentleman in Mauchlin, a Mr Gavin Hamilton, Holy Willie and his priest, Father Ald, after a full hearing in the Presbytery of Air, came off but second best, owing partly to the oratorical powers of Mr Robert Aiken, Mr Hamilton's counsel, but chiefly to Mr Hamilton's being one of the most irreproachable and truly respectable characters in the country. On losing his process, the muse overheard him at his devotions. O thou that in the heavens does dwell, wha as it pleases best thyself, sends e'en to heaven and ten to hell, offer thy glory, and no for any good or ill they've done before thee, I bless and praise thy matchless might when thousands thou hast left in night that I hear before thy sight for gifts and grace a burning and a shining light to a' this place. What was I or my generation that I should get sick exultation? I who deserved most just damnation for broken laws Six thousand years in my creation through Adam's cause. When from my mother's womb I fell, thou might have plunged me deep in hell to gnash my gums and weep and wail in burning lakes, where damned devils roar and yell, chained to their stakes. Yet I am here, a chosen sample, to shew thy grace is great and ample. I'm here a pillar of thy temple, strong as a rock, a guide, a ruler and example to all thy flock. <sighs> o Lord, thou kens what zeal I bear, when drinkers drink and swear or swear, and singing there and dancing here with great and small. For I am keep it by the fear, free for them all. But yet, to Lord, confess I must. At times I'm fashed with fleshly lust, and sometimes too in wardly trust. Vile self gets in, 
but thou remembers we are dust, defiled with sin. O Lord, yestreen thou kens, we meg thy pardon I sincerely beg, O may it ne'er be a living plague to my dishonour, and I'll ne'er lift a lawless leg again upon her. Besides a farther mon a vow, we leases last three times a, a trow, but Lord, that Friday I was foo when I came nearer, or else thou kens thy servant true would never steer her. Maybe thou lets this fleshly thorn buffet thy servant e'en and morn, lest he o'er proud and high should turn, that he say gifted, if say thine hand on e'en be born, until thou lift it. Lord bless thy chosen in this place, for here thou has a chosen race, but God confound their stubborn face and blast their name, what bring thy rulers to disgrace and open shame. Lord, mind gone Hamilton's deserts, he drinks and swears and plays at kerts, yet has same money taken arts with great and small, free God's ain priest the people's hearts he steals awa. And when we chastened him, therefore, thou kens how he bred sick a splore and set the world in a roar a-laughing at us. Curse thou his basket and his store, kale and potatoes. Lord, hear my earnest cry in prayer against that presbytery of air, thy strong right hand, Lord, mack it bear upon their heads. Lord, visit them in dinner spare for their misdeeds. O oh Lord, my God, that glib-tongued aching, my very heart and flesh are quaking to think how I sat sweating, shaking and pished with reed, while old, we hanging lip-gaid, sneaking and hid his heed. Lord, in thy day of vengeance try him. Lord, visit him that did employ him, and pass not in thy mercy, buy them not hear their prayer. But for thy people's sake, destroy them and in a spare. But Lord, remember me in mine, with mercies temporal and divine, that I for grace and gear may shine, excelled by name, and all the glory shall be thine. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Scotland. It is written and produced by me, Michael Park and is a production of Be Quiet Media. Additional voices in this episode were by David Allen. You can find out more about the show on our website, scotlandpodcast.net, and we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok too. Find us by searching Scotland, a Scottish history podcast. Look after one another. We'll see you next time. <laughs>